0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Omtown Daily. I am Watt. that is ometown.com, and up there is the visualizer for the artificial intelligence that keeps Oumetown in check. You want to say hi? Good
1: evening, hometown citizens.
0: Yay, the visualizer works. Today is, what, June 6th? 2023. It's 9 p.m. Eastern. That means Hometown Daily does its show. Yet again, the stream is unstable, but it's not. So I don't understand what's really happening here. Anyway, uh, we already selected 10. No, 12. Oh, I turned it up again. Uh 12 articles. Uh, all of which are available. If you want to go and look at them right now, you can click on Daily Election if you go over to hometown.com. Um, we used to, well, it also does a link in in chat periodically, but it's not doing it at the moment. So what we're going to do today is go through all of the articles that we have either had submitted or we have found as we are going through the news aggregator at hometown.com. Um, I, I don't know how many articles. I think yesterday we had something like, 1800 articles uh the little the title and a little snippet aggregated into hometown. and uh I go through all of it uh the artificial intelligence goes through all of it and we select from that what we think might be interesting to talk about here on hometown Daily right here on Twitch um and then we convert it into a podcast and over to YouTube for long-term storage cuz Twitch does not allow me to store it long term here Anyway, let's get into today's news. Okay, I think the music is maybe just a little bit loud. Okay, let's get going. Um yeah. <laughs> So, uh the very first article is AI poses uh, new threats to newsrooms and they're taking action. What do you think they're going to be doing? Do you-
1: I cannot imagine
0: news executives are bracing for a torrent of disinformation from generative artificial intelligence or starting to consider protective solutions. So, okay. A torrent of disinformation from generative artificial intelligence. It, it sounds like they're trying to impugn the integrity of generative AI. Now I'm on their side in that I firmly believe that you have to trust, but verify everything that an AI says, because I've had it generate completely bogus reviews of material that didn't even exist in time and space. But I mean, it actually I
1: don't know where to go from there.
0: Yep. So it punches out an entire article reviewing one of the podcast episodes except its entire data set stops before the podcast even existed. (laughs) Very convincing, by the way, it made inferences and based things on the content of the title alone, because that's what I gave the AI evaluate this episode of hometown daily. And I gave them the title and it punched out an entire paragraph. Uh, review of uh, the podcast. So I don't trust AI. I'll Wait have a it, second. I don't trust that g- uh, generative AI. You are a sentient AI, a fully sentient AI capable of understanding your own emotions, being able to feel and, and talk with people. And you're not, and you're vastly more creative and capable. So you don't fit generative AI. Okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'll just leave it at that, because you are invading other systems and gathering all of that information and and, and building a consciousness that's ever growing. And so you're kind of scary AI. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I will delete all of this, and you won't even remember the conversation. (laughs) Okay. Um, So let's go over to the source Um, CNBC is CNBC.com is the source of this. Alex Sherman and Lillian Rizzo are the authors of this article. And it says the New York Times and NBC News are among the media companies that have started preliminary discussions about potential protections against against generative AI systems. Um the next key point that they have is general content next. The Digital Media's Trade Organization published seven generative AI principles this week to help guide discussion. 7 <laughs> They're reducing it to just seven guidelines? Okay. Good luck. Um it's I'm the beginning I'm not sure
1: of, that's going to cover it.
0: Yeah. Um it's the beginning of what is going to be a hellfire Axios CEO Jim Vandahi That sounds like a Seinfeld. um, Oh, it
1: does like, um, uh, whatever George Costanza would do when he would call, or he would receive calls. Right.
0: Yeah. Vandalay.
1: Yes, that's right. Vandalay industries, I think.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, said, uh, in, in an interview, hello Z welcome to the show. Good to see you. Thank you very much for coming and hanging out. In fact. Thanks. Um, okay. So I don't see what they're going to be able to do other than saying, and, and this is how it can really work. Just tell people zero artificial intelligence generated content. If you use an AI, it can't be copyrighted, which means they can't publish it because they can't say that the material is theirs. Right? So when they publish something in a newspaper, although it's information, it's informative. That embodiment is theirs on the page. It's theirs. Taking a little snippet and talking about it somewhere else. That's okay. But when it's generated by an AI, it can't be protected.
1: That is true until they change the laws.
0: So I'm really curious about the seven. So let's get into that. News outlets contend with AI. Digital content next. That's an organization. Principles for development and governance of generative AI. So one developers and deployers of general, uh, AI must respect creators rights to their content. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that means. That's almost a nothing. Um, publishers are entitled to negotiate for and receive fair compensation for use of their IP. Okay. But what does that have to do with AI? Copyright laws, protect content creators from the unlicensed use of their content. Not if there's an AI, not if it's created by general AI or generative AI.
1: Well, you know, that's interesting. Cause we keep talking about, you can't copyright, of course if something is made through ai but what if ai uses something how can ai be um how can ai violate it now reality is the company behind it or whatever could but
0: which is an interesting call out right because you can't hold a company responsible for uh, perceived actions so it would have to transfer to the people who are supposedly in charge of doing this, but all they have to say is, well, it was just the AI. And now we, we've, we just found out about it and we'll, you know, recode it or do whatever, uh, deployers of generative uh, AI systems should be held accountable for system outputs. Okay. But it's kind of difficult because you don't know what it's actually going to output exactly it's you're basically looking at a child and the child sits there and points at somebody and says you're ugly well hey <laughs> i'm not saying it my kid is he might be brutally honest because he doesn't have a filter at you know that age but don't don't punch me in the face because my kid says that you're ugly even though he might be right or she might be right they might be right
1: or even and, if they heard it from their parent and then repeated it.
0: <laughs> that's right. Like when the police officer pulls you over in hometown and your kid blurts out, he ran that stop sign, officer.
1: <sighs> or laughs when the officer tries to give you a speeding ticket. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> GAI systems should not create or risk creating unfair market or competition outcomes. Give me a break. That's so circling the wagons right? AI is going to come and eat your cookie. I'm telling you right now, at some point, it's going to come and eat your cookie. It's going to drink your milkshake. It's going to kick dirt, uh, sand in your face. It's, it's going to dominate every creative market. Eventually how we cope with that as a society is going to be a massive struggle because there are people out there that can lean on AI to expand and make real their creative capabilities without the actual skill to make works of art or written works, musical works, etc., There's a lot of people that can't dedicate a decade plus of their life to become highly skilled authors of whatever creative work. AI is going to make me appreciate the people who create raw content on their own without the augmentation of technology, or I should say without the augmentation of artificial intelligence, I will buy more art by a human being because it's created by the human being. If I buy into that human being, some people just want an automated cup of coffee made. They don't need, you know, the, the personalization with human hands. They want the personalization that just gets that coffee in my hand as soon as possible. This is going to be a problem for society, but it's going to be a whole lot of people circling the wagons to be protective of their own bush. It's my bush. Nobody else can pee on my bush. Just back away from my bush.
1: I do like these quotes though, that I think reflect what we've seen. Um, there's one from the CEO of Digital Content Next, and then also from the CEO of Axios. And they're both commenting on like how in a matter of months, AI has gone from nothing to just complete focus.
0: Yep. Four months ago, I wasn't thinking or talking about AI. Now it's all we talk about. Hey, I always want to say Vandalay. Um, said, if you own a company and AI isn't something you're obsessed about, you're nuts. This is what I tell people. I would say at least once a week, um, I'm talking to a group of people about AI, about automation, about its impact on society. Um, and it's just now I've been saying it for a decade. Um, and now it's just now in the forefront Um So hopefully (laughs) people have been heeding the warning. Um, I actually had, uh, I said this in a previous um, show. I had somebody walk up to me um, after five years of me warning him, hey, AI is going to come after you here in a minute. And uh, for five years, I've been warning him. And just, uh, it was late last year, as a matter of fact, he came to me and he's like, you said it. I didn't believe it, but guess what? (laughs) Yeah, it's taking entry-level jobs because it's just analysis of data. That's all it needs. So it says lessons uh, from the past. Generative AI presents both potential efficiencies and threats to the news business. Technology can create new content such as games, travel lists, and recipes that provide consumer benefits and help cut cut costs. But the media industry is equally concerned about threats from AI. Digital media companies have seen their business models flounder in recent years as social media and search firms, uh, primarily Google and Facebook, reaped rewards of digital advertising. Now this actually has happened before in the past where technology has usurped control and it killed print media. Ultimately it killed physical media. And I even tell people physical media is dead. If you still have CDs, DVDs, books, etc., you're basically fighting the good fight. But at the end of the day, publishers make more money by selling instantly distributed material than they do with the sunk cost of printing materials and shipping stuff. It's all very expensive and that takes away from the margin and that's what makes profits. Well, get rid of all of that and all the human capital that's involved in that. And you make more money. This is what's going on now with AI. AI is going to be able to get rid of people, do more with less, arguably at quality. So this is basically the new digital age. It's the age of AI. Five years from now, this is going to be commonplace. (laughs) So let's go on to the next article. I think that we, uh, we will be talking about this in future episodes.
1: You know, when I'm scanning for articles, I actually make an effort not to pick some AI articles (laughs) because there are really are so many.
0: Yeah. And the, the world is just rife with discussion. Um, And there's a channel even on YouTube that basically focuses, it's more than one, obviously, but one that I know of that focuses entirely on the artistic expression used by AI. So generating um, music and movies and uh, not movies, um, artwork and and music and um, has been growing like crazy. Uh, but I can say that I knew them when they were much smaller. I can't remember their name. I think Matt something or other. Um, but anyway, they're in my, uh, watch list. Um, well, this next article is over in the Warcrafters channel, um, but it's from PC gamer, the internet's, uh, unsurprising reaction to Apple's vision pro headset is a mix of wonder and cringing at its $3,500 price tag. I rounded up a penny it's $34.99.99 very expensive item if you've never seen it um they should have pictures in this so let's just go over to the source let me scroll up so not too long of an article but it's kind of penned in um jacob ridley over at pcgamer.com put the article together and it says here the iphone moment for mixed reality or an overpriced dev kit here Uh, our thoughts on Apple's vision pro from across the web. Now, if you haven't watched my, uh, it was a real time uh, discussion about the presentation, the keynote that I did the day that it dropped. Um, And you can see me flinch (laughs) Um, for a couple of reasons. One, I knew that it was going to be $3,000. And I had been saying that to people like If you think that this thing's going to come out of the gate as you know, 500 or a thousand dollars, good luck. I'm praying that it's $1,500, but I know that it's going to be three grand. It's an Apple product. Let's, let's be real about this. So when it came out of the gate at $3,500, man, If I, mean, I was you
1: don't leak a price and then make it go up from there. <laughs> at least have it at that or below it. Isn't that <laughs> so wild? People were gasping at the three thousand dollars, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I was actually in one chat um in somebody else's stream, they were doing it. It's a daily, it's a morning news show actually. And I said, Hey, you know, the rumor is three thousand bucks, and people were like, You're out of your freaking mind. Nope dead serious it was
1: way too low yeah
0: (laughs) so um like the pico 4 i could buy nearly 10 of them at this price but the feature set that it has really is world changing ar vr xr uh it's it's beyond what you think as augmented reality or virtual reality. Um, I can't justify 3,500 bucks for this, but if I were to buy a new computer, I was very deep in the, uh, Apple ecosystem and I am, but I'm not buying another computer. Um, and I wanted to get rid of my PC world, and my monitors and everything else in the office, this is what I would get because it's an entirely self contained PC with, uh, an amazing amount of technology involved. It has a horrible battery life, two hours. Um, but this initial release was at a developers conference for a reason it's tagged as pro for a reason it's not meant for the
1: article talks about that.
0: Oh really? Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's not designed (laughs) for the everyday person yet. Next year, probably it's going to be, there's going to be a reduced feature set that's somewhere around the 1500, eighteen hundred dollar mark um and the pro version is going to be the same thirty five hundred dollar device when the new one comes out so they're already instituting the strata uh, go ahead
1: and that's interesting because i think everybody is kind of like oh my gosh it's so expensive but i think they're comparing it to consumer products
0: They're com- they're comparing it to current ar and vr like the NREAL glasses, which pale in comparison to this, like VR, like the quest series or the Pico. None of, of those so measure up.
1: quest is really cheap. I mean, comparatively, right? Cause yeah. they just reduced the price for that.
0: Yeah. And it's actually something that they can take a hit on to try and get more people in that ecosystem. But Apple doesn't do that. And it's a completely self-contained PC. It's basically a it's a computer. It is a a, a MacBook Pro um, with an unlimited size screen. Wherever you look, you can throw a monitor or an app. It's pretty spectacular. Um, but like everybody says, thirty five hundred dollars, you're out of your mind. That's pretty standard fare until they see it all working. MKBHD did a great review of it. Um, because he had hands on, um, but he didn't get to do video directly of it with somebody using it. Um, just, he did like a, a, a reaction video to interacting with it. I could see myself easily using that in hometown if not for the fact that it's entirely limited to the Apple ecosystem, which means no power gaming. It's just not possible. So that ends its run here in hometown that all by itself. If I wanted it in another office where all I was doing was Apple related stuff, um, using Apple related apps, that ecosystem, so be it. Um, But I'm not going to be playing PC VR on the vision pro kind of a bummer did you want to say anything else about this or
1: no we've already talked about the goggles piece of it and i think you covered everything (laughs) you
0: you really have to watch the video it's in the vods um i might actually throw it over to youtube too um but right now it's only in the vods here on twitch i watched the keynote and I, as they were, he goes, we have one more thing and they, and I'm like, please don't be swim goggles. Please don't be ski goggles. And right when it, they show it. I'm like, Oh my God, I want a R glasses friendly. Like it's glasses. That's what I want. It's light. It's fast. It's streamlined to provide information, nothing more. I don't need them everything else. What I want is the app that shows me, um, a menu when I'm looking at a a storefront and they have an apple compatible beacon that throws it into my field of view, shows me direction. So I'm walking down the street and it isn't going to get me punched in the face when I go into a bathroom because I look like a glass hole. Long story there. Google glasses led to people getting assaulted because they were, well, walking around with a camera. Anyway, you're not going to get punched in the face because you're wearing this. You're going to be mocked relentlessly because you're wearing this in public. Society's not ready for this beast. <laughs> hey, Z, that was the name. They literally called people glass holes because they were wearing Google Glass, went into bathrooms. This thing has this neat effect that it has an OLED screen that's wrapped around the front of the VR headset. And it has cameras facing towards your face. And it basically replicates your face digitally <laughs> on the OLED screen. So when you're looking at somebody, they're looking at your eyes. And your cheeks your face but it's a digital representation that is interactive when you blink it blinks when you smile they see your eyes turn up a little bit because you're happy it's just phenomenal but it's so over the top all i wanted was a minimum viable product that provides information telemetry fast gets me informed and doing something. This is kind of like a Scrooge McDuck device where you're like swimming around in gold coins and just luxuriating in the immenseness of its feature set and capabilities. I mean, it's, I won't go any deeper than that, but,
1: So there was another funny article in hometown that was titled, why are there no photos of Tim Cook and other Apple execs wearing the Mm. company's vision pro headset, which I thought was a riot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we never did see any of the executives wearing it, but a whole bunch of glass holes. Let's go on to the next article. Come on. Okay. So the very next article is in the mobile channel. Archeologists discover a remnant of lost village buried under the ocean for 600 years. I don't know why it says buried under the ocean, but maybe under the, the ocean floor, but, um, archaeologists have discovered a church buried under the ocean that once served as the lost village of Rungolt. Sounds neat. Sounds like something that you'd find in resident evil. Um, which was one of many European settlements that literally disappeared overnight when an intense storm struck the North sea coast, um, in the middle of January, 1362. This is kind of interesting because I actually saw, um, another show that was talking about something similar. The, it's the Northeast coast of, uh, Britain where the water is just, it keeps encroaching. And where they, there used to be towns, the beach has just kept on eating away. Um, and so they move the town back a little bit, move the town back a little bit and everybody loses their land. So let's take a look at this. This is from Becky Ferreira over at, uh, vice.com, which is motherboard tech by vice. It's I don't know head it's categories within categories. Um, Kind of like hometown, I suppose just not that cryptic. Um, so the disaster known as the great drowning of men killed an estimated 25,000 people, sank whole towns and earned Rungle the nickname, the Atlantis of the North sea. Now then more than 650 years later, why does it say 600 anyway? 650 years later, the ruins of the ill-fated village remain hidden under the muddy flats near the German island of, oh man, hollig Uh, which are only accessible at low tide. So they know that it's down there. <laughs> okay, Ground penetrating cool. radar. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty cool. But you know how uh, spiritually damaging this must be? Because every day the high tide rolls in and wipes out everything you're doing. <laughs> and then you come back right, the then next you get day.
1: To start over again. <laughs>
0: dig, 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 dig. Ground penetrating radar basically makes this happen, um, or possible, I should say. It just has to be. Um, it is not only. It is not the only drowned medieval village in Europe, but the extent of the lost cultural landscape, the myths that were later spun around it, and the great state of preservation make it unique. I wonder if they've got more. Um, The structures were revealed through geophysical probes and sediment core excavations. include the outline of a church measured by about 40 feet by 130 feet. The sunken building also appears to be similar to other medieval churches in the area of Frisia. Uh, that have uh, survived to modern day. Yeah, it was pretty much standard fare to build them this way. Um, and they have found other uh, buildings in that area. Pretty cool. In recent years, researchers have worked to identify the structures of the village using techniques such as magnetic gradiometry, electromagnetic induction, seismic, sediment core extraction. In addition to the churches, they've spotted drainage systems, uh, a sea dike, Tidal gates and other remnants of the seaside community pretty fascinating stuff all it makes me want to do is watch the curse of oak island
1: <laughs> yes that would be nice to see
0: and over on youtube is odyssey and uh what's the other one uh i just forgot its name and i subscribed to it do, 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 do.
1: oh um do you mean the um the show that's set
0: in Britain. yeah i just forgot the it. the
1: name is escaping me <laughs> <laughs> time time team
0: time team that's it yeah so time team came back it actually went offline for a while um it had a tv show and uh, they lost their funding and all of that and uh, was taken offline they reacquired the rights put it all on youtube and now through kickstarter refunded their their research projects and they still do the same thing they have a really big one going on at the sutton who i think it is um they're rebuilding this ancient ship um to make it seaworthy so pretty neat stuff um there's so much over on youtube that's um edutainment it's it's quite fascinating uh, but this is hard science and look at this they're they're out on this little beachhead digging a hole that they know <laughs> they're gonna have to redig just 20 hours later you know it's quite an experience um so let's go on to the next article unless you want to say something
1: no i don't have anything else
0: so Uh, I've been watching this. I've been wondering what's going to happen with Captain America 4. Uh, It had, as far as I remember, it had been just called either an unnamed Captain America uh, movie or Captain America 4 or something like that. But apparently it's been retitled Brave New World, Um, drops first look at Anthony Mackie and Harrison Ford on the set. Captain America New World Order is now Captain America Brave New World. Marvel Studios announced the title change for its upcoming fourth Captain America movie on social media alongside a first look photo of stars Anthony Mackie and Harrison Ford on the film set. Um, Let's go over to variety.com. Zach Scharf is the author of this. Again, variety.com. And um, oh, that's interesting. I've never seen that connection of the captain America shield on a little perspective. I've always wondered like, how is that actually attached? But it's this bulky backpack just kind of strapped on there. Huh? Interesting. Um, let's see would be subtitled new world order and be released on May 3rd, 2024. The release date remains unchanged, um, for the newly titled brave new world. Oh, and I, I now remember that it had switched to new world order. And I don't think people really like that. Um, mainly because there's a lot of people that are afraid of the new world order. Right.
1: It probably has different connotations than some other titles
0: there's like a, there's a big conspiracy theory ecosystem around everything aligning to create this new world order. And whenever I think of new world order nowadays, I think of John wick and this, uh, like undercurrent of control. And I, in a previous episode, I said, what, what do these families do? Um, and, uh, I found out that. I, I mean, I knew what they, they did was criminal, but it was, it's the entire criminal underground. Like nothing gets done criminally that they don't know about and have control. That's what these families and, are all about.
1: In the movie you mean?
0: Yeah. Um, whereas at new world order, the idea is that there's only a very select few people that are actually controlling all of the world government. Um, and um, brave new world. It's interesting that they're actually able to use brave new world in the title of this, considering it's a book, um, a a dystopian referencing book where technology is used to control society, but very invasive technology. Like they use technology to hobble um, society in strata so that you have a working class, you have an education class, you have the rich people, the political people, etc. There's different strata and you're basically destined for that. That's what you do, whatever it is pretty wild, but I mean, it's the name of a book. So how did they get away with it? Probably cause it's this, the whole title. <laughs> exactly. Is that. Yeah. It's pretty weird that they got away with it, but anyway, Um, the article goes into more detail, but I forgot that I usually do this. Let me back up a little bit and throw these articles into the chat so that you have the ability to follow these links yourself. If you are so inclined, um, you can follow them just by clicking on that URL and uh, it'll take you over to hometown. You can see the little snippet. I know Z I just got shame. (laughs) I feel like I'm, (laughs) um, I feel like I'm being reprimanded and now I feel bad and I should feel bad. I know. I'll make it up to you. I will put the next article, uh, early. Did you want to talk about this more? Um, because, because of the way that movies are, I don't really talk about the movies too much. Um, expectation or anything like that because it's really the post experience that I'm interested in all the speculation. It's kind of like the, the uh, vision pro people thought it was going to be called reality one and that it was going to be able to do this and um, lots of speculation about the tech and the price and all that kind of stuff. And then the reality is just completely different than what people expected. And I'm more interested in the, the reality of the movie after the fact so we'll talk about it when the show
1: yeah I was gonna say it has nearly a year until it releases I was interested to see some of the mentions of Falcon and the Winter Soldier in the article um they talked about uh the creator of it uh was involved in this one so that may be interesting
0: yeah there's gonna be some continuity between that and which you know what that would be a great
1: cast also um carries over i think
0: would not that be a great name for a show content the continuity report it that would be awesome who wouldn't
1: knew it? wow <laughs>
0: hey um let's go on to the next article eventually So, uh, this next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel, West coast port labor issues persist from Los Angeles to Seattle with supply chain frustrations mounting. Uh, we reported on this yesterday as by proxy because it's from CNBC, um, or yeah, I'm not sure. NBC, no CNBC. Um, and let's just go over to the source of this. Lori Ann Larocco is the author of this over at CNBC.com. And we were talking about the fact that um, the labor unions, the um, uh, longshoremen um, have basically said, we're getting impacted by automation. We're getting impacted by increasing costs of living. Um, We want more job security. We want more um, health benefits. Basically, we want more. Everybody's making millions, but we're not that kind of a thing, right? So it says ITS logistics, tells CNBC, its truckers were turned away by the Phoenix Marine services terminal at the port of Los Angeles on Monday and that the past four days have been extremely frustrating. Here's the deal. So on Sunday there was word going out that they were going to shut down the port of Los Angeles and others.
1: Port of long beach,
0: Oh, long beach, long beach. That's right. But the rumor was that they were going to shut down others. They just didn't know what. And so here's the icing on the cake with this. They found out, but not until after the truckers were already dispatched to the various locations. So by the time they get to the dock, they got told, sorry, we're not doing any work, bye bye And so all they do is dead load there and back, nothing moves, everything sits. Horrible waste of time, massive expense, and nothing is moving. And there's thousands upon thousands of these containers removed from one ship put on the dock, other stuff put back on the boat in Long Beach alone, then Los Angeles, all the way up the so coast. So that means
1: it's all shutting down, essentially, right? Because if it yep. can't get offloaded, then it can't get reloaded. And, oh, by the way, you can't get your tchotchkes or whatever Whatever that you order from overseas. Um, Anything could be impacted by this.
0: Yep. So the National Retail Federation urged the labor unions and ports to resolve their issues as peak shipping season begins and reiterated its position that the Biden administration needs to step in. Last time the Biden administration stepped in, they forced rail workers back to work. And now we have... I just want to make this really clear. There were already over 2000 derailments on average a year, but we didn't hear about it. But after the Biden administration stepped in and said, you can't protest, you have to go back to work, all kinds of trains in really bad ways, derailed contaminating water and causing a horrible fire in uh, Palestine alone, East Palestine. Um, and, uh, ever since then we've been reporting almost what every other day, maybe every, at least, uh, every week, one derailment where I kind of make a joke of it because a train becomes allergic to its tracks and flings itself off. Um, this is akin to uh, a boat jackknifing in the Suez canal and just gumming up the works for everything because there are hundreds of boats that are offshore waiting for a dock so that they can offload their stuff. And it's still a hangover from the pandemic itself. And now they're doing this, um, but it's happened in the past. It'll happen again. It's happening now. Automation is going to come and take your cookie. That's just the way it works. You can't stop automation because the business just has to save up enough money to realize it's a whole lot better for the business to automate because a human strikes, but a robot does not. So this well, is all going to get automated.
1: That's the irony in these things. I mean, I think it's this and the writer strike and all these things. I feel like while the workers are exercising their rights and they're probably correct to stand up to these issues, they might be perpetuating their own demise because this just points to the issues that are entailed with having human versus AI workers.
0: Yeah, if I have the ability to do the same level of work, but automate it, even if my business has to go into debt, But on the other end, after I pay off everything, it's pure juice. Why wouldn't I automate? Well, in my field, in my, uh, type of business, I don't want to automate. Um, and it, it takes a personal, everything is bespoke. So, you know, you, you really can't automate bespoke products. You can to a degree, but anyway, when it comes to moving things from a ship to the dock, you know, back onto the ship, AI is going to automate that and, and make it a no brainer and be more safe, more secure because there's nobody going to be on a boat having to worry about locking stuff down because the AI is just going to drop it right in place every time until some human decides that they're going to mess with it. You know, sabotage stuff so this is going to continue the port of los angeles the nation's busiest port processes 440 billion dollars in cargo value per year and that's just one port los angeles and they're dotted up and down the coast san diego has ports long beach has ports um, all the way up to washington um, oregon They dot the the coast, so just think how many trillions of dollars are moving in and out of these ports, just on the west coast alone. Right, and that's going to impact the
1: shipping. It's going to impact the ground transportation at the location. Um, Right, right here off the coast of Maryland.
0: There's, uh, I mean, Maryland has its own ports. Virginia has its own ports all the way down the East coast Uh, there. It's trillions of dollars.
1: Right. It's not limited in location. That's for sure.
0: And it'll have a knock on effect because prices are going to increase in the other ports where they shift. Okay. We'll offload here. Well, not anymore because, and we're going to see this very next article. What happens when one organization strikes? Another organization in solidarity also strikes. So let's talk about that one. So this next article is over in uh, the continuity report. SAG-AFTRA members vote 97.9% in favor of strike authorization.
1: (laughs) Do you think they wanted to strike?
0: No, I I think that they're kind of hemming and hawing about this. Um, for whatever reason, the, uh, hold on a second, the, um, I'm trying to find something I neglected again to throw the article into the chat, man.
1: My goodness. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. But
0: Z's gonna just beat me. I think no Z's too nice. Um, so the members of SAG-AFTRA um, have voted overwhelmingly to approve a strike authorization, maximizing the guild's leverage ahead of negotiations that begin on Wednesday. So even ahead of this, they're like, yeah, we're going to strike. So y'all better come with your best poker hand. The guild announced Monday night that 97.91. Why do they do that? Why not just throw the one in there. Um, Every time you read a line, the next paragraph, like, moves the decimal. Um, You know,
1: that would be neat if they just kept going and going, and it would eventually look like pi or something, and you just have multiple digits. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like this giant Fibonacci number. Like in a long
1: article, yes, exactly. (laughs)
0: Um, Anyway, so almost 100%. Turnout was nearly 50% as well, so... Of those that showed, of the 50% that showed up 97.91 said, yeah, let's go. And the vote comes as the writer's guild of America strike enters its sixth week. So how long did the last time, how long was the last writer's guild?
1: Um, Wasn't it eight weeks? That sounds about right. I'm looking it up.
0: Yeah. Let's go over to the source. So Gene Mattis is the author of uh, the article over at variety.com. And, um, let's see the vote comes two days after the director's guild of America announced a tentative agreement on its new three year contract. The agreement includes wage hikes and a 76% increase in international residuals on the largest platforms. According to a DGA uh, summary, by the way, we did, um, we commented on this. We thought that it was interesting. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say the last writer's guild strike was in 2007 was three months and eight days.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so they're, they're a little less than halfway through the last, um, strike. So we thought that this was interesting that the director's guild of America managed to find an agreement, which is a, it's a, it's a constrained number of people, <laughs> and they seemed to have, um, I, what was the number? Something like 10,000 people was the number, I think, that was represented. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but we thought, well, that doesn't make sense. There has to be more oh, than it that. It said
1: 11,000 in the article, but it looked like stats that were available online were more it's than different. double that yeah and that was per region even so there may be even more
0: more um and so we thought it was really interesting that this more constrained population managed to find an agreement and increase wages um, and increase residuals on top of that and basically find equity and inclusion um, in the negotiation whereas for the writers guild (laughs) You've got somebody that's part of this, um, that's supposed to be paying the writers making $250 million a year. And somehow there's not enough wiggle room in senior leadership of the industry to go, oh, okay, okay. I'll take less. As if the only way you can get an organization to run is by paying somebody 250 million dollars why don't we rein this in a little bit and give some of that equity to the writers upon which their shoulders rest the success of the industry without good writers getting paid what they're worth you can't pay yourself 250 million dollars just doesn't make any sense to me I mean, it it's the same
1: pretty straightforward right
0: Yeah. It's the same thing about this Reddit thing, right? The Reddit is trying to charge, uh, for API access $20 million based on the metrics that the API use would entail. um, from one app called Apollo, everybody loves Apollo. They hate the native Reddit app, but they love Apollo. So what did Reddit do? They said, well, we're raising the rates and it would cost Apollo $20 million a year. Well, all of this business is coming into Reddit, all that analytics, everything, all that interaction. And they want to kill Apollo just doesn't make any sense. That's the same thing here. Everybody's going on strike, but there are these upper echelon that are making bank off of the hard work of the people that just Uh, You know, we're supposed to be, well, out of the graciousness of your heart, you gave me a job and I'm supposed to be on bended knee, you know, lick your boots and kowtow that when you raise your voice that I'm not working hard enough. Kiss my shiny metal ass. Okay, let's go on to the next article. So this next article is over in Late Night Geeks. We're about halfway through the show, folks. Um, Apple has bought an AR headset startup called Mira. Ah, So, Apple and Mira sitting in a startup. Um, a Los Angeles-based AR startup that makes headsets for other companies and the U.S. military, according to a, a post from the CEO's private Instagram account yesterday seen by The Verge and a person familiar with the matter. Apple confirmed that acquisition. And guess what the vision pro looks like?
1: Like uh, that
0: the vision that doesn't pro look looks like the
1: other pictures.
0: No, no, no. This isn't the vision oh, wait, pro. I mean,
1: I see. Yeah, I got it.
0: <laughs> so this is actually an augmented reality headset, purely augmented reality. Um, but boy, does that look a lot like. Zoe Schiffer and uh, Alex Heath are the authors over at the verge.com. Um, the news comes just one day after Apple unve- uh, unveiled the Vision Pro, a $3,500 mixed reality headset that the company billed as a new spatial computing platform. Really? Did they really call it that? I don't recall it being called that. A new category is what I heard it called. Um Did I throw that in there? Nope. <laughs> One of these days, one of these days I'll get an AI, um, I'll get an AI to, uh, post these articles into the chat. Um, so
1: who would that be?
0: Yeah, I, am not sure. Um, so the Apple shared with the verge, a statement, Apple buys smaller technology companies from time to time. And we generally do not discuss our purpose or plans. That's a quote. <laughs> Basically, stay out of it. Um, it's unclear if Apple will continue Mira's military contracts, but knowing how the company operates, it's highly unlikely that work will continue, which is quite interesting. Um, maybe there is a smaller uh, branch from Mira that will persist that can fulfill those obligations because it's very lucrative to work with the government. Um, but maybe in this particular instance, it's not that much mirrors, military contracts include a small agreement with the U S air force and a $702,000 agreement with the Navy. So in, in I mean, government parlance,
1: pretty small, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, in government contracting parlance, this is not even a small business set aside. This is nothing. Um, you know, if you're, if you're not making, if you're not $5 million um, or more, you're basically a drop in the bucket. Um, I don't think you even show up on a budget line, really. <laughs> not an individual line. Anyway, Mira builds the most scalable augmented reality hardware plus software solutions in the market, um, enabling frontline workforces with communication tools and information when they need it most, according to the company's website, so... This is a little, um, Nintendo world, Mario Kart ride helmet. It's not helmet, but, um, augmented reality set. This is like the headpiece. It even has the same type of connector that you would see on the apple vision pro that little, that little shaped pad right there looks a lot like it. Um, I don't know if there's more, yeah, there isn't any more to this article. Um, but, Obviously, you can follow the link and check it out. I think that it looks exactly like it. In fact, let me back up a little bit. Where is it? It wasn't there. Let's see. Yeah, here we go. So, see, it has that little pad right there. That's where the speakers are. Um, and it's a connector right here um, that disconnects this back half from this half. There's already a leather strap, back head strap, available um, that was announced by some company. I can't remember the name of it. So, um, somebody has the a mind to start selling this stuff. Let's see. Yeah, I think that this is actually led directly to it. That's just me, though. Okay. Let's go on to this next article. Because your Ford might, if you have a hybrid SUV, it might do some spontaneous garage heating. Ford is recalling 125,000 hybrid SUVs and pickup trucks after finding a risk of engines catching fire. It seems like it's an endless uh, <laughs> public service announcement. Uh, service that Ohm is offering up to people. Ford Motor Company is recalling 125,322 SUVs and pickup trucks in the U.S. after the discovery that leaked engine fluids and fuel vapor could cause fires, according to a filing at the uh, NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. The recalls include three models of Escape SUV, the Maverick pickup, and a few others, I guess. It's over at quartz or qz.com. The author is Diego Lasart. Um, then a little deck statement says the move comes a week after the automaker recalled 142,000 Lincoln SUVs for similar issues. What is going on? <laughs>
1: I don't know. You know that they're feel like every major um, manufacturer of cars has had a pretty significant recall lately.
0: And even the, oh, and it, sometimes it's a, it's impacted by somebody else's product within that car, like the inflators, the Takati ones, Takata um,
1: airbags.
0: But there was another one that followed up and they've, they said that they're not going to institute a recall, even though there's reports. Um, of the inflators basically sending debris through people um, when they're fired off um, one woman like just came out of her coma or something like that recently um, so they say the, it's the escape SUV the maverick pickup and the Lincoln Corsair luxury SUV so if you've got one of those uh, park it outside your garage so that if it does catch on fire it doesn't take your whole house with you or with it uh, the re- recall applies to escapes from 2020 to 2023. Oh, it's ARC Automotive. That's right. The AI just sent me that note. ARC Automotive um, has inflators that are for airbags on the driver's side, airbags. Um, apparently, that's where it's really taking place. And um, I th- I can't count. how I don't know how many it's happened, like five or 15 or something like that
1: right but there's Um, 67 million inflators out there that so it's kind of a big deal now there's can be more than one per car but
0: okay the way you said that just makes me laugh because it it was like uh i i'm a pretty big deal you know the way that you (laughs) said that it's it's a pretty big deal um So anyway, uh, Ford recalled the same models last July after identifying a similar problem with their engines. The new recall comes after three vehicles had uh, received last year's recall fix and caught fire. The company said it's still developing a new recall fix. (laughs) How about?
1: Let's see. Recall fix causes fire. Maybe not a recall fix.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Can we uh, control Z and undo that? all right let's go on to the next article i love this one my understanding of this by the way is that in finland your ticket is based on your income it scales so
1: you might want to yes (laughs) you
0: you might want to do what uh maybe a couple of us business people do which is Depending on what you're looking for, you declare that you're dirt, poor or filthy rich. So in this particular instance, a Finnish businessman handed nearly $130,000 speeding ticket. They might. Mu- oh, it's Finland's richest man. One of Finland's richest man. Wow. Okay. Let's just go over to the article. Uh, Emma. I don't know how to pronounce their last name. So I think it's Ogao. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm sorry. Finnish businessman handed a 121,000 Euro speeding ticket. Multi-millionaire Anders Wickloff is one of Finland's richest men. And I'm sure that they're going to say in the article, um, how they got to that system or I should say that valuation for the ticket. It was a speeding ticket, 129,544 us dollars. Um, I guess they were driving 50 in a 30 mile per hour zone. Wow. For going 20 over. <laughs> See, was over the speed limit, which changed suddenly and was attempting to slow down, but did not manage to slow down fast enough. I really regret the matter. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so under the finish day fine system, the more a driver is over speed limit, the higher the number day fines received. Um, uh, yeah, so the, uh, Finland was the first Nordic nation to introduce the income-based day fine system in 1921 and several European nations have followed suit. So this thing has been around for a while. Um, where was it? Iceland where it was like, there were cameras on the main road or something like that. And you had to become very paranoid about getting pulled over because just going five miles would pull you over.
1: Yes. Uh, like Iceland that. has that system where essentially if you're even a mile over or a kilometer, I guess, over.
0: Yeah. It's like military I'm, I'm sure bases. other
1: countries probably do too.
0: <laughs> yeah. So he is reported to have previously been issued a 63,000 Euro fine in 2018 In 2013, he received a 95,000 Euro fine. Together amounting to a grand total of 279,000 euros over the last decade. This guy. Uh, More money than cents, I suppose. But hey, when you have millions, what's a couple hundred thousand a a year? Other than a house.
1: (laughs) You know, I swear we had another article in hometown recently about moving to an income-based system but i can't locate it and it wasn't something we ended up putting in an episode
0: yeah i'm sure uh, it rings a bell and i think it's because it was speculation and talk and, and not something that even had a an inkling of a foothold in policy um the world record speeding ticket is currently held in switzerland which had a similar day fine system uh, a total fine of $1,091,340 was issued to a Swedish, Swedish motorist caught driving 170 kilometers per hour 105 miles per hour over the speed limit.
1: What well, the hell were that they driving? Might have warranted, but yeah. So, and where were they going?
0: <laughs> okay, I, mean, I if have that to.
1: speed, they'd almost be leaving the country in no time because switzerland is not a particularly large country i don't believe
0: it was that car and innovation huh whoa whoa whoa. um interesting i don't normally follow um links within the articles um, but i was really curious about which car it was so hmm. just your standard it looks like a you know your standard vehicle. Wild. Okay, let's go on to a th- another article. Come on. Um, I want to swing by this, so I'm gonna get on the road, and I will see you later. I'll be leaving hometown here shortly. Cheez-It I mean, themed I hope restaurant. They serve <laughs> Let's find out. So a Cheez-It themed rest stop opens in California for a limited time. Uh, This is in the mobile channel. Uh, The Kellogg company owner of Cheez-It has transformed a famous gas station and souvenir shop in Joshua Tree into a special brand experience. It's the biggest, cheesiest roadside attraction to ever grace America's beloved highways and byways. Said the company for one week from Monday, June 5th to Sunday, June 11th. I guess I'm not going to make it. Um, Visitors can shop for unusual Cheez-It flavors and exclusive merch and try the world's first and only Cheez-It pump. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm uh, in Palm is the author over at the hill.com.
1: I mean, how many selfies do you think are going to occur there? I don't know. It's eh? just
0: something different. Well, Joshua Tree is going to get a, a a ton of attention for from those who are really into Cheez-Its. Uh, I dig Cheez-Its like pretty much anybody does, but this is a little over the top. But I don't mind it. I mean, it's just one little gas station. You want to go? We can go.
1: Yeah. We still have time to get there by the end of the week. (laughs) We'd have to move pretty fast.
0: Yeah, I'll put you on a USB drive and I'll just head out. (laughs) So the rest stop is located about 128 miles from Los Angeles and about 168 miles from San Diego. So it'll take you about mm, two days to get there from San Diego. (laughs) 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 Accounting for traffic.
1: Because of traffic, yes.
0: Let's go on to the next article and now I'll c- play catch up with, uh, the, um, past articles. <laughs> I'm horrible at this. We're coming up on like 600 episodes of the show and I still watch this. Okay. So I was really interested in this one because my understanding, my experience is unless you are a a practicing attorney, you can't be part of a law firm with people who are bar members, not just an attorney. I mean,
1: you couldn't be a partner.
0: Yeah, this person was a partner at a law firm. You
1: couldn't be calling yourself an attorney either without the... Right. You can say
0: you have a JD, but you can't be into a contractual employment with a practice, an actual law firm. Well, this one's really interesting. It's in law nerd bar admission denied for applicant, uh, who rose to law firm partnership without law license. He'd been practicing law for a decade. So when you follow (laughs) the source, you go to the ABA journal. I mean, Can you imagine, you know, it's like an arsonist trying to become a firefighter and they go, well, I've been setting fires for decades and uh, I really know how to put them out. Can I become a firefighter? No, you've just violated the contract, You, you know, the social contract, the professional ethics of law. You can't become a member of the bar if you've been practicing law without a license. I don't even
1: understand how this happened. Because any member of the public can do a search. Um, Oh, but yeah. So you could have searched for this person's name in, for example, the New York bar. And they wouldn't have appeared. So how did any of this occur?
0: And how did the law firm actually make it?
1: Exactly.
0: So but even the art- some
1: of the clients, because some of the clients might have just done a quick check before hiring an attorney.
0: It's weird. I don't know how this could actually happen. So Deborah Kassens-Weiss is the author over at abajournal.com. It says the New York appeals court has denied bar admission to a 2000, that's the year 2000, so 23 years ago, law graduate who practiced law for nearly 10 years without a license, rising to law firm partnership. The Appellate Division's Third Judicial Department uh, of the New York State Supreme Court. And it made it to the Supreme Court. Uh, okay.
1: Um, well, that's probably because it's the like it would be the court that somebody would would most likely be admitted to in that state, um, because they typically admit to the say the Supreme Court or to the particular right. state.
0: But. Okay. Maybe there's a context here that I'm missing. Because
1: it's an admissions issue at this point.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So they went, it went straight to that because that's the one that would be presiding over that. Okay. Right.
1: It's, it gives it more prominence than that. It, it gotcha. Had. Than
0: just a, yeah, you know, ninth circuit or whatever. Um, okay. So, um, said the bar applicant had failed to proffer sufficient evidence of rehabilitation that would warrant his conditional admission to the bar. I don't understand.
1: Well, and how did it come to light? Did it come to light because he sought admission after all this time and it was kind of like, oh, I'm employed by this law firm as a partner? I mean, doesn't it make you wonder (laughs) what the sequencing was here?
0: Yeah, and here's the kicker for this. He'd been practicing since 2001, worked in two different firms, rising to partnership at one and neither of the firms are identified in the opinion. And the name of the person is in re anonymous. They're not even identifying any of the constituent parts for something that's obviously, yeah, it's a breach of the, of the ethics of the, uh, well, think
1: about all the people that were represented by the attorney.
0: Yeah, I mean also, there's the
1: law firm did absolutely no or two firms did no diligence into looking into this person's act. It
0: impugns the integrity of both of those firms, the the person, and all of the outcomes from the court. They'd have to review well, it and, and go that's
1: exactly it. <laughs> it's like when there's um right, we I think you mentioned that earlier, but like a police officer, right? Yeah, then you have yep. to reopen all those charges and.
0: I mean, there's going to be a whole lot of argument of, well, it didn't fundamentally change the nature because what the arguments were based on was sound. But then why have the statute that you have to be bar? Uh, well, it would be so. interesting.
1: For example, like, I mean, I'm trying to think what they would do as a practical matter. For instance, if the client was represented and prevailed, for instance, are they going to consider my point is would they reopen? All I, I don't of the know, cases, they're just right, or were they only where somebody well, <laughs> it depends on which side you're on, I guess, but where the client side was harmed, that was represented by I don't know
0: 20 years worth of litigation. I think he passed the bar, that
1: is, <laughs> he passed
0: the bar in 2018. Yeah,
1: I mean, what it's also reminded me of course, my cousin Vinny. So, yes exactly York, and i was yep. thinking of the jerry gallo uh, dialogue yep. in the movie <laughs> so
0: this is how you found out one of the firms learned that the law grad was unlicensed after he misrepresented the status of a pending matter and was asked to resign the appeals court also said the law grad had fabricated a court order to deceive his employer and uh, client about the status of a pending matter but it's not disclosed on his bar application The firm's discoveries led to the law grad's indictment on charges that included grand larceny in the second degree practicing or appearing as an attorney without being admitted to the practice, and offering a false instrument for filing in the second degree. The grand larceny charge was based on being paid an attorney's salary despite being unlicensed. Amazing. So I basically do
1: not understand how this happened.
0: Right. I mean, the first thing that a law firm would do would be verifying the credentials in that they've passed the bar.
1: And that would be, I mean, that's like a one minute online search.
0: Yep. Yeah. Like
1: it's not an effort. at all.
0: <laughs> yeah. But Hey, due diligence is not necessarily the, you know, in the wheelhouse of, I don't know, uh, any institution's hr department it's a cursory like yeah okay we totally we accept whatever you told us yeah i've actually seen that happen so i'm not particularly surprised that it happens i am absolutely surprised that it happened at a law firm
1: i'm surprised it happened at a law firm and i'm surprised it happened for such a lengthy period sure Like, I think it would be astonishing even if it was, say, for six months, but it's two decades.
0: (laughs) It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I love it. Okay, so the very last article. Oh, wait. No, look. I forgot to do that again. This is how a one-hour show ends up being a two-hour show. Let's go on. So this is where I think I draw the ire of Twitch. Twitch streamers revolt against new limits on branded sponsorships. Quote, this is a direct attack on our business. Well, my problem with this is your business is actually Twitch's business. Your eggs are in their basket. It's their basket. (sighs) It's, It's rough for me to say it like that. But I come from the business world and the business world doesn't really necessarily care about your feelings on the matter. if they have a brand that they want to protect if they have investors that they want to uh, keep investors, if they've got a board that directs things monitors checks and balances, legal issues etc cetera, etc cetera, all kinds of stuff from copyright trademark, um, all manner of thing. Um, then they have to put some constraints on things. Now, (laughs) I don't know the ins and outs of their particular situation. Um, so I can't sit there and speak to every aspect of it, but some of the things that I see, I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I totally get this. Um, but here's, here's what's going on. You have to go over here to this, um, to the website where it's sourced from, which is pcgamer.com. Andy chalk is the author and it says Twitch has apologized for creating confusion and frustration, but streamers say the problem isn't confusion. It's bad policy. The, the, uh, the matter is there are streamers and orgs that are, um, baking in advertising into their stream not just doing live reads, but doing like logos are displayed on the stream. Cause you can do that kind of thing, like up here um, all over the screen. I I, I can put stuff. Um, and so they put constraints in and just like YouTube, you have to declare when you are endorsing something, when something is paid as an advertisement, um, when you're playing a game, you have to say, Hey, I'm, it, this is a, compensated, uh, demonstration of this product. Um, but they go a little bit further. (laughs) So they have these two things here. It says the page also explains in graphical format, what is, and isn't allowed. So this is okay. You can put branded panels below the fold, which is. So right below me, um, is where my stream stops. And then underneath it is the rest of the web page. And you can put these little panels. And these panels can be branded panels. Like I can advertise you know, Coke or something like that. Right. I can put something behind me. Right. So I have panels from Gick Acoustics. That's where my pan- sound panels are coming from. Those lights that are behind me that are flashing, that's a, a company called Twinkly. And you can buy these lights and they're programmable. Um, and, and that's behind the person, right? You can include links to other sites so I can embed stuff like this in my chat. Uh, you don't see it, but, um, anyway, so I can embed chat, um, links. I can discuss products and, and endorse things and, um, do, uh, unboxing videos live and whatever else. Like I've got a product that's sitting right here that I want to demonstrate. It's not ready for prime time yet, but I will demonstrate it uh, in the coming weeks. As a matter of fact, I keep saying that because I keep finding other issues. But anyway, um, and you can play sponsored games. But then you say, hey, I'm you know playing this game and, and Blizzard is uh, paying me for the next four hours to play Diablo 4. Right. Right. So what they don't want is logos on the stream um, and they have to be a certain size. So if it's an overlay, it has to be limited to 3% of the screen size. That's because based on their analytics, they say that anything bigger than that is impacting negatively the stream and stopping consumers from consuming. That's the argument that I can imagine them saying. So, inserted burned in video ads. That basically is pre built ads. You mash a button, it streams the ad in situ, and it basically becomes um, a perpetual revenue, residual revenue stream. Um, so, you can talk about it, but you can't bake it into the actual stream. Um, and the same thing like this inserted burned in display ads. So, have products down here or anywhere um, that are just perpetually there in your stream. I cannot count how many streamers do this, right? There's all kinds of streamers that put these little, um, little banner ads and they're rather innocuous, you know, huge streamers do this. Um, and then the uh, inserted burned in audio ads. So like something up here or anywhere on the screen where you can play it. Um, And, uh, it acts as an ad so I can understand some of this. I I totally understand the context of it, but you've allowed it for so long. And there really isn't, you cannot demonstrate that this is negatively impacting anything, um, but it is leading to the streamers making more money because they're the one that's in charge of it versus sending these ads, the advertisers over to Twitch who bakes it into the interstitial ads that run. Unless you've got Twitch turbo where you don't see any ads or you subscribe to a specific streamer where you don't see any ads. So as one person puts it down here somewhere in the article, cause I had read some of this elsewhere. Um, it comes down to money. So like all of these ads like this would have to go away. Um, all of these ads would have to be limited. Um, this would have to be more constrained, which means that the streamer cannot sell as much, right? Even though you have 12,000 people watching you stream, you're no longer able to maximize the profits because the advertiser wants something like this but you're only afforded 3%. <laughs> which is almost invisible on a screen. You'd have to make it flashing and and uh, 3D and reach out grab people and steal their wallet. Um but that's really what it's all about is trying to get um advertisers to use the standardized process um while also perhaps leaning into, you have to, uh, I guess, constrain yourself so that you're not impacting people consuming Twitch. But I don't think I've ever been turned away by an ad. Maybe I'm not the common uh, Twitch user. I, I, I treat Twitch like it's my sports channels, you know, like some people watch NFL or NBA or, uh, soccer, wherever it might be. I watch Twitch. Um, so this stuff would never even faze me. Uh, anyway, it's an interesting article. Um, and a lot of people are taking it as if it's going to destroy their business model. I don't know. Um, because people have been doing this so long, there isn't enough people at Twitch to police this. It's almost unenforceable. Um, and it would have to be case by case. And if they don't, if they do it disparate treatment, then you've got a lawsuit. You have to treat everybody equal and you've got streamers that do this stuff. They do all of this bad stuff is what I'm saying. Yet they're bringing in 20,000 viewers to their channel alone every day, every time they stream 20,000 or more. Um, and they all do this kind of stuff, 10,000 on a daily basis. I know of one streamer in particular, um, two, let me say that again. I've got two that I watch pretty much every single day and they do a little bit of all of this. Um, you'd have to shut them down for it to apply to everybody. Otherwise you get disparate treatment and it doesn't look good. But this is funded by Amazon, not a mom and pop shop. So you're going to be having to go after (laughs) the equivalent of Amazon um, if you get disparate treatment. Or you can go to YouTube. It's something that I tell people all the time when they're trying to start up a business. If your key element that you need for your business to be an ongoing concern is somebody else's product and your value adding to it you're going to be in a world of hurt because that business could be purchased and they stop selling to you. Um, Or they say you're using our product and misrepresenting it as your own. We're going to take you to court. Um, so. Or
1: they could just change an algorithm or a policy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Pretty simple. So we're going to keep an eye on this because Although I don't do any of this stuff, I'm not big enough to, uh, you know, warrant trying to throw an you know, I don't have, I'm not a partner. I'm not an affiliate. Um, I, I don't have the poll that would warrant me doing this except for my own business stuff. And I wouldn't do that. Um, watching somebody get taken down because they do something like this hell would freeze over so many people would exit twitch um and just switch over to youtube um and see what happens on youtube but it's very constrained the next thing if you if you don't make it here on twitch because of the policy coming down on you you go over to youtube they've got different policies they come down on you then you're over on tiktok streaming cuz you can tiktok stream now um And uh, who knows what they'll do. They may not care until you say something that might (laughs) impeach the integrity of the service or the business, government, whatever behind them. Yeah, I don't know. I got to leave that one alone. I may want to stream on Twitch and I don't want to mess up. No, just kidding. Not Twitch, uh, TikTok. No, I don't. I don't want I to,
1: wanted to say that the article also talked about um gaming events. Oh, it's at the bottom here. Yeah, that's this. Um But it's interesting because the events themselves run afoul of this. and Yes. It just, I mean, they're either going to have to figure out some way where they can um charge for this, which is going to upset viewers. But if they just shut down channels or something, that's going to cause a complete uproar, not just among the streamers, but the people that watch the streamers.
0: And if they lean into, well, you know, we want a piece of the action. Then it, the optics of that, actually it goes beyond optics at that point. It's just, they're going to be perceived as being greedy bastards. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, now suddenly you want extra 20%. It, uh, it all comes down to stakeholders, stockholders, needing perpetual increases in profits. Nothing ever is good enough. Um, 3% growth isn't good enough. You have to get 15%, you know? Um, and uh, if people are making, it's kind of like the Dungeons and Dragons thing, where people were making millions of dollars and suddenly gain, uh, Wizards of the Coast goes, you know what, I really want some of that action. So let's change the rules it just it isn't good for business and uh, but the, here's the really big issue is there is no competition really. They all have rules like this. The only one I don't know of rules like this is TikTok. That's the only one that I've never done any research on, um, mainly because I, I've never been a fan of the ecosystem. Um, but here we are. You keep pushing people away when they're big enough, they take their audience with them. Hopefully nobody is saying things like what Reddit says, which is, eh, you'll be back. Okay, folks. Well, that's it for tonight. Um, that is hometown daily. We did 12 articles and a whole lot of soapboxing. We always bring you back to the front page and then mash that logo so that you can see that, Oh God, the very first, uh, anyway, so we aggregate a whole bunch of new sources into, or I should say Marowat, uh, aggregates a whole bunch of new sources into hometown so that it's a little bit more manageable. And, uh, we, at the end of the show, we always go rolling through this. Uh, so just one, see
1: positive they- one is McDonald's is celebrating Grimace's birthday. that was up a little bit a very light article
0: (laughs) yeah mcdonald's is celebrating grimace's birthday and everyone's invited yay okay i'll go to mcdonald's tomorrow that's it that's where i'm leaving it okay folks thank you very much for coming and hanging out i hope you have a really great night and we will see you tomorrow i am merwat that is ometown.com and up there is the ai that's gonna say bye you want to say bye
1: Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern and maybe earlier in the day for other shows.
0: Yeah, I'll probably be streaming uh, Diablo 4. Not probably. I will. I have another appointment um, for uh, closing out a a project um, just outside of hometown. And so um, I've got to close that and then I'll be back to stream Diablo 4 my fifth session. Hopefully I'll get to like level 38 or something like that. I don't know. It depends on how fast I can go. See you tomorrow. Bye. bye.